give you the toll-free call-in line here in just a moment where you can call to bring up whatever is on your mind. In studio tonight, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And NASA, of all of the government agencies, NASA is probably the least offensive with what they do. You know, aside from the fact that, you know, they're still like all the other federal agencies paid for through theft. But if, you know, taxation went away tomorrow and people had to donate to the federal agencies that they wanted to see exist, I think NASA would probably wind up getting close to meeting its budget. It it would probably meet its budget just out of Silicon Valley. I mean, those guys out there love it. I think the National Park Service is another one that would probably wind up meeting its budget as well. You bet. Um, Yeah, I, I think... Everybody kind of likes what NASA does. Like finding the habitable planets. That was a big story this week. That was huge. The Um, uh, news, if you haven't heard, NASA announced that they found seven Earth-sized planets circling a star not too terribly far from here. You know, like 40 light years. in In the grand scheme of the size of the galaxy (laughs) yeah if you could travel at the speed of light it'd take you 40 years to get there which isn't very far three of those are within what they call the goldilocks zone meaning that that's the habitable area the the area to where they have calculated they believe that liquid water could exist Mm -hmm. and life could wind up living as we know life uh, that's that's yes, the, life the whole as thing. We know it. Life yeah, as we know it. I always love that phrase. Yeah, uh, I think uh, a lot of people like things that NASA has done in the past. I mean, it was almost the defining moment of the good uh, that maybe America has done in, in going to the moon and our exploration and things like that. Um, We're going to make the moon great again. We are going <laughs> to make the moon great again. But NASA has this other side, and this has always kind of bothered me. And that's its uh, propensity to put humans uh, into orbit and humans on missions and things like that. But if we're not putting humans in orbit, then what are we putting in orbit? Robots. Like, you, you can only send so robots. many robots. Into space. They've been like Heather, the talk of the week. Heather and I love robots. We do. We're, we're just <laughs> Dar- all about robots. We know Daryl doesn't like the robots. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. Granted, there is, uh, and is there I kind of kind of for... get the idea behind the International Space Station because there are some. Uh, experiments that are probably easier to conduct with yeah. a human conducting them than having them be automated. But there's a whole lot of things that we could do, especially exploration, mm-hmm. that don't require a human. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying it for two reasons. Number one, it drives up the costs enormously when you have to provide life support for someone for in yeah, you know, really infinity with zero room for error. Right. Because there really is. That's what it comes down to. Number one. And number two, you're actually putting someone's life at risk by strapping them uh, onto a million pounds of high explosive right? and And hoping everything goes right. Well, one of the experiments that they were able to do not too long ago, and I don't remember all of the specifics about this, but I heard Brian Sovereign talking about it. I forget if it was on Sovereign Tech or Sex and Science Hour, but he was talking about this experiment to where there were a set of twins. And Mm -hmm. one of the twins went to the International Space Station, the other stayed on Earth, and they were able to basically do a study to 
figure out exactly what space does to the human body. Right. So they did all of these tests before the launch and then after, and they found that, you know, like certain uh, levels of various things had either increased or decreased. So they they were able to actually figure Mm. out because they had identical twins. Right. And they took the levels before and after. So that that was interesting, and that's not something that you can just do, you know, like do with a robot. Absolutely, and at some point, or you know, like uh, twin chimpanzees. And and at some point in our future, uh, there will be a manned flight to the stars. Uh, We have we have a lot of things to conquer. We have to develop much faster spaceships. Um, But when we talk about this story that came out this week. Three planets in the Goldilocks zone. They will be visited at some point by uh, remote landers. Uh, that'll be your robotics. And if everything looks good, at some point in our future, we're going to venture out. And do we you know do need to have it, a little bit of that experience. Do you know how long it actually took to fly to the moon, like time-wise? Uh, God, it's uh, 220-some thousand miles. Girl, I want to fa- say it was, about a, I say it was about a week. trying to pull up to see how long it was. Four or five days, maybe. That's it. But while I pull that up, there was something other than just, you know, yeah. NASA discovered some planets. There's something else, and it has to do with sending humans yes. somewhere. And I, I'm, I'm going to give you the gist of this article, and then we can discuss it. But NASA wants to send humans aboard the first SLS flight. And SLS is the space launch system. That's what is going to be replacing uh, the space shuttle, which no longer flies. But story is by uh, Mariella Moon in Engadget. The first space launch system flight scheduled for 2018 was supposed to be unmanned, designed to test the new rocket and its companion Orion capsule. But now NASA has grander plans for its maiden flight. Acting Administrator Robert M. Lightfoot Jr. has announced that the agency is considering adding a crew on board. While authorities already expect the SLS debut to be delayed by a year, its first manned flight wasn't supposed to take place until 2021 at the earliest. If NASA does decide to turn SLS's maiden flight into a manned mission, a lot of work needs to be done. Lightfoot understands that it would force them to push back the launch date, as he wrote in his memo to NASA employees, quote, I know the challenges associated with such a proposition, like reviewing the technical feasibility, additional resources needed, and clearly the extra work would require a different launch date. The acting administrator has already asked Bill uh, Gerstenmeyer, NASA's associate administrator for human exploration and operations, to conduct a feasibility study of adding a crew to the mission. Both Boeing and Lockheed Martin, who are building the SLS rocket and the Orion capsule, respectively, seem to be on board with the idea as well. Quote, the possibility of NASA accelerating the timeline to put humans in the vicinity of the moon and onto Mars is exciting, unquote. Uh, Boeing spokesman said. So it just pulled up. It took about four days to get to the moon. moon. The total duration of the Apollo 11 Apollo 11 mission was eight days, three hours, 18 minutes and 35 seconds from blast off to landing back on Earth. Splashdown. Yes. (laughs) Which is a type of landing. Yeah. Back on Earth. Uh, yeah, uh, but I guess what my question is, is what exactly are we achieving by pushing up man flight by three years? Now, what exactly, and you had said, you know, a little bit about the SLS 
was supposed to you know take off in 2021, but now they're pushing it forward to 2018. But what no. exactly is the SLS? The SLS is, is a, a reusable launch vehicle meant to replace the the space shuttle so the space shuttle has been um retired i mean a few years back uh we decided that the space shuttle was no longer viable and the the program was shut down and the, i think that was decided after what two space shuttle accidents in a matter of years yeah uh two two mm. we lost two crews the and after we did that then you saw the rise of the u.s um, contracting out that space launch work to other nations like Russia. Mm-hmm. And uh, you saw the private entry companies. of private company like SpaceX and others coming in uh, to fulfill that that void. Uh, I'm reluctant to refer to SpaceX or any of the others as like the free market because they're not. Uh, they are right. they're certainly heavily subsidized, yeah. very heavily subsidized. Yeah. Um, but uh, nevertheless, we've lacked a a state-owned space launch system since then. And just pulling up uh, some pictures of this, it does kind of look like the old Saturn V rocket. Yeah. Uh, so it seems as though, what, what's the saying? What was old is new again. Right. Your thoughts on this or anything else, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. What are your thoughts on sending humans to the moon and beyond? This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 855 free That's 855-450-3733. In studio tonight, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we'll get back into the NASA story here in just a moment. But first, want to remind you about Freedoms Phoenix. It's a liberty-oriented news aggregation site Do you want the newest, freshest stories and perspective on current events from those who value liberty? FreedomsPhoenix.com has it. Their daily dispatch is the way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. That's FreedomsPhoenix.com. .com. Now, one place that currently you don't have to worry about a tyrannical police state is in space because right now there's not really a government in space although it could be argued that the international space station kind of is government run i think governments are seriously interested in establishing a presence in space there's a lot of military uh advantage to be gained from the ultimate high ground and that's what i would call orbit Right, and, well, doesn't necessarily have to be in orbit. It could be on the dark side of the moon. And if you've ever seen Iron Sky, you know that's where the secret Nazi base is. Dude, I crowdfunded that movie, and it was the best 20 bucks I've ever spent. Have you seen the sequel? Not yet, but I'm desperate to. Do you yeah. have you? I, I have not. Oh, I have, have you not. seen this movie? I definitely want mm. to. Space Nazis. No. Nope. Secret moon base, dark side of the moon. 
And then what more do you need to hear? And then the sequel, <laughs> other than why are you still here? Why aren't you running out to go buy this right the, now? The sequel apparently they go to Antarctica and find the passageway into the hollow earth or something. Not true story. It looks absolutely <laughs> ridiculously hilarious. I did I see the uh, I did see a short clip. Uh, I guess it was a trailer showing Hitler uh, riding his miniaturized Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes, and then the <laughs> uh, Sarah Palin esque American president. president yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I will continue with this story uh, in order to make the. Capsule ready for human passengers, Lockheed Martin. The capsule being the thing that they're going to be using for the space launch system, which is basically they're redesigning and updating the Saturn V rocket. It looks a lot like that, and they're they're doing some other things to make it more reusable, more economical, according to NASA. Uh, but Lockheed would have to add a working life support system. It wasn't supposed to be added until Orion's second flight. Boeing would also have to fast-track its work on the rocket's upper stage because it was planning to use a Delta IV's rocket upper stage that hasn't been tested for crewed missions. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see if I understand this correctly. They haven't even tested this yet, but they're going to put people on it. That is correct, Daryl, and that's that's my real issue with this, so... I just okay. Aside yeah. from so now, I'm sort of you know adding one and one together here, right? And I look at this agency that does has done some really amazing things in our lifetime, and I go, but what Bubble is telescope. its what is its motivation? And its motivation is to get a bigger budget to be able to do more things mm-hmm. and more well, things. That's every government agency's well, this is a great point. example of that. But what can we do? to come up with a bigger budget if we just launch a rocket and it goes up and it comes back down and nothing blew up it's not going to get any news but if we strap some people to some seats on top of that thing i and it goes up and down now we're talking ticker tape parade i disagree i disagree that there would not be any news about sending a rocket up and landing it down because uh was it the Jeff Bezos company, Blue Horizon, or, sure. that they launched the thing and then landed it back on a floating barge. Very cool. Like, that got news, and that got and, a lot of people saying, wow, that's really cool, and then somebody I showed I think the he's kind of onto something, though. I think adding people is like adding a whole new element to it, that people are going to want to follow it now, because right. it's kind of like that, oh, their lives, okay, they're like, but, yeah, but why would we do that? But, but still, when, when Evil Knievel was jumping over cars <laughs> on his motorcycle... Nobody ever said, let's put people inside of the cars that he's jumping yeah, over. Exactly. I think more people would have watched him jump over the cars than like a robotic thing fly <laughs> right. over the cars. Here's you know robotic, what I mean? The fact that. Exactly. Here's a robotic <laughs> motorcycle. Uh, like, yeah, yeah here's it. a drone that flying cool. over a bunch of cars. <laughs> it doesn't have the wow. same effect. <laughs> it, it worked. But yeah, this this is what NASA sometimes has done it's in its past. Stunt, it's a publicity almost. stunt. Yeah. And that's how you get bigger budgets. Right. You get but more positive also, news. It was also a publicity stunt to you know launch the rocket and then land it on a barge. And people paid attention. Yeah, well, but what is the objection? No, that, launch that, it and land it, and then you launch it with people to make sure that you can launch the damn thing. <laughs> so what other purpose is there, though, to put humans on it? 
It's not you going to land on that the moon. Like- it's not going to Mars. All it is, and exactly, that's the point. That's the- what is your point? Why do you want to speed this up? Yeah. And I'm telling you, you can look at NASA's history of speeding things up, like the space shuttle program, and ask Krista McAuliffe how that worked out. Mm-hmm. You know, no, it's a publicity stunt. I mean, yeah, and and that's why you know but, I encourage but, people. And it's working because we're sitting here talking about. My it. point is, right, they're exactly. making it more of a publicity stunt than it already is. Like it's already a publicity stunt of we're launching a new rocket into space. Well, you could say that. I I will give them uh, the benefit of the doubt and say yes, you do have to test, and this is you part test of the t- it before you put humans in it. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, you get an apple. That's the point. Uh, why are you starting out with your, your first launch by strapping human lives to this thing? And I, I, I support the idea of space flight. I, I am. My, my inner Conan is going to come out and say <laughs> that the reason they're putting humans on the first one is. You know, some sort of weird conspiracy. It's going to blow up, and then we need to protect ourselves from fill in the blank organization that we deem to be responsible. And I'll tell you what, if you. The Russians hacked the. I'm going to go ahead and call it the Russians hacked the (laughs) SLS and caused it to blow up. I'll tell you what, if you want to see even more money to go to NASA, if this is your thing, if this is a government agency you like. You honestly should be wishing that this thing does blow up with people on it because then NASA will get all the funding they ever need to make sure that never happens again. It's sad mm-hmm. to say, and, and that's the, I, that I, is I'm just not, the stupid risk that we take when we do these things. You know, I, I think now that's probably what the response would be, but I remember, what was it, 31 years ago when the Challenger blew up and they just completely halted all NASA operations for a couple of years. Oh, they did. Yep. That was under Reagan. Yeah. They're like, all right, we need to just halt this, go back, look over everything and make sure that the next time we launch something into space, that there are not going to be any problems. Yep. And there are a lot of people at NASA say that we still haven't learned our lessons from the Challenger accident. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Your calls and thoughts, 855-450-FREE. Have we learned our lessons from the Challenger incident? Should they test things before putting humans on them when they fly them up into space? This is Free Talk Live. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is having its 2017 annual convention March 18th from 2 to 9 p.m. at the Holiday Inn in Concord, New Hampshire. The banquet dinner will feature speakers Matt Phillips, president of the Free State Project, and keynote speaker Carla Howell, political director for the National Libertarian Party. Tickets for the convention and banquet are less than $60 and must be purchased before March 1st. Go to lpnh.org convention for more information or to buy tickets. That's lpnh.org convention. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. It's Daryl. And Tether. And Chris. And we're taking your calls with whatever is on your mind. We're talking about NASA, probably the least offensive federal agency. I say probably but this 
decision that they're making here has me scratching my head makes absolutely no sense there's this thing called the sls which what what's that an space launch system Mm -hmm. so they basically have gone back to the saturn 5 and made some modifications to it the saturn 5 being the i believe the original uh thing that was used to launch humans into space well no there were other uh rockets that were used before apollo but it was the workhorse of the apollo missions and the workhorse for that whole era Mm -hmm. until we got to the point where we had a space shuttle and then we started using it yeah So. so you know they're they're you know basically updating the saturn V rocket and they've not tested this thing yet that's that's the key here. They have not tested this yet. <laughs> Hasn't flown. But yet they're going to put humans inside of this large metal tube on top of another large metal tube with <laughs> millions I, of I'm pounds guessing, of high explosive. I, I imagine I the lives say, of those people are probably insured quite quite a bit too. Yeah, and the and the thing is is you'll get they're going to have no problem coming up with volunteers. You know, the astronaut corps is going to be screaming, "Yeah." <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. They're, they're, those guys are dedicated. So test when, pilots and things like Chuck that. When Chuck Yeager... Yeah. Right, let, let's talk about test pilots. When Chuck Yeager flew something faster than the speed of sound for the first time, how many people did he have to elbow out of the way to be at the front of the line to say, yeah, I'll get in this <laughs> metal tube with wings that nobody's ever sat in before, I, and I'll fly at 800 miles an hour because I'm just that crazy. I don't know, uh, but I know there's always a lot of I'm competition. I'm it was a short line. Well, I think the the number of, just like the number of astronauts, I yeah. mean, it's a very small pool. Those guys have, they put a lot of faith in in the science i mean they they understand how everything works they trust the guys that they're with or but they don't still, do you think that like like if we completely got government out of the picture do you think we'd be like more like years beyond where we are today i th- i think so um because it seems kind of like even with government like and i noticed this reading some articles about like the whole I hate to bring it up, but the Trump ban about how scholars and stuff from all these different countries that are affected by the ban, they still work together like researchers and scholars and doctors and, you know, same with scientists and astronomers and all of these people. So does the government, it seems more like politicians have issues with politicians of other countries than the, you know, the rest of the Right, but the then, community. But I guess. then there are other things, uh, you know, like the regulations that wind up prohibiting private industry from doing certain things. So, if like, there was not an example. FAA, which we is would ha- the Federal Aviation Administration, okay. the the people that say you can't put something up in air more than like ten feet off of the ground without our permission, right? If it wasn't for the FAA, there would be flying cars a lot more prevalent than what they are now. Right. Right now, there are a couple, but you still have to go get a pilot's license to use one. And and probably an experimental. Or cheap. Right. Stifling innovation by limiting. Now, now the flip side of that is, is if we did have a lot more flying cars, we'd also have a lot more flying car accidents. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I that's stop, how we work things lights. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there would be all sorts of issues that come with that. Work. But, but the price we pay with government involved in this is that we don't get things we, as quickly as we there. could. 
nor as affordably as we could. Uh, yeah, because all this comes too. up with a huge cost. All the stuff that it costs, like all the things that go into making these spaceships and stuff like that would probably be a fraction of the cost if it wasn't for government inflating prices. <laughs> and yeah. then- well, and what they'll do, and, and this is a good example, you know, we started talking about the space launch system and who are the first names we mentioned in the story, Lockheed Martin and Boeing, you know, mm-hmm. so two huge, uh, huge organizations, huge corporations mm-hmm. that are so tied into government that they have the contracts for these. And, you know, uh, I'm sure they they probably bid against each other for both parts of this. One of them got one. One of them got the other. So I'm sure they weren't too concerned about being the lowest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, so, did they really have an incentive to to provide the, question, the best and, deal? You know, th- this is something that a little over a decade ago, got a good bit of media attention, the Spaceship One. Right. There was that X Prize for the first private yep. uh, corporation or private company, private group of individuals to put a human into space twice, I believe it was. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just, you know, go up once. It was go up twice to make sure that, you know, like, you don't go up and then burn up on reentry and then collect <laughs> money because you went up once. Yeah, like hey, you know, we did it. Anybody can jump out of an airplane once without a parachute. the The goal is to be able to do it multiple times without a parachute. So uh, the, I don't know whose goal that might be. Right. The, the SpaceX wound up. They did this thing to where they basically, you know, like used a larger aircraft to mm-hmm. take this thing into, you know, some altitude and yep. then drop it off. And then they launched from like 50,000 feet or whatever it was. Sure. So why is nothing like that being developed any further? What? Why are there not space planes? I think, uh, I think there is. And I think that's where we're seeing the uh, private sector doing more of that. NASA has oh, a, got- honestly, NASA has a space plane. I'm not sure if it's NASA's or if it's the air forces but there is a space plane that just passed i want to say 375 days in orbit now it's not manned okay um and nobody knows exactly what it's doing up there um but yeah if you google a uh, space plane uh record there's one of those up there have you guys ever heard of that band okay go it's like yes. a, a Russian band where I they did that guys. that video upside down and they did it in zero gravity. So that they actually cool. got on like a Russian plane that flew into orbit. The so vomit that they could comet. Fi- yeah, so yeah. that they could film the music video. You guys got to go on YouTube and look up OK Go upside down. Do, like it is watch, the coolest music video. I watch video. all their videos. They, they do I love their amazing stuff. video. Did, did you see oh, the yeah. one where they shot, it was like four and a half seconds of video, and yes. then they yes. slowed it down using <laughs> yes. the stuff they to make like a four and a half minute video. insanely creative oh, with was, their video. Yeah, that's insane. So the uh, space plane that you're talking about, the Air Force has this thing called the X-37B. Right. It's X as in X-ray, 37B as in Bravo. And apparently it's been up in space for over six Hundred days. Wow, right longer now. than I thought. Yeah, yeah. The most recent thing that I found was from space.com, January of this year. Air Force's mysterious X-37B in space for over six hundred days. And then when I click the link, and this is cute. Uh, they their four hundred four page doesn't say four hundred four. It says Houston, 
we have a problem. <laughs> of course it does. Uh, yeah, but so we do have space planes in yeah. military service right now. We're mm-hmm. not sure what they're doing. But I, I and we have Richard Branson's uh, intergalactic, uh, you know, enterprise, which is right. by all by all indications going to be ready to go. Right. And that thing would have already been ready to go had it not been for regulatory hurdles to right. where he has to get the FAA's permission to go into space. Right. And basically the only place that he was able to find to be able to launch regularly is in New Mexico. So, you know, like that kind of puts him under American jurisdiction. Yeah, but God, in this, this is going to be another thing that's going to blow up. You're going to see more mobile launch centers. You're going to see more countries starting to get into the, hey, we'll, we'll do your launch services. We'll build a pad. We'll build facilities. We'll charge you a whole bunch of money to come launch your satellites. And I, I'm surprised because of some of the regulatory hurdles that nobody's decided, let's build a launch pad in the middle of the Pacific. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-3733. We've been talking about NASA, and we're going to change gears here in just a second. The we in studio tonight, Daryl. And Tether. And Chris. And before we do that, I want to make sure that I tell you about a way that you can save 10, 15, 20, 25% or more on things that you were going to buy anyway. Looking at my account right now on saveatpurse.com, I have saved $447.39 over the last two years on things that I was going to buy anyway. And how do I do that? Well, I go to saveatpurse.com. I have things in an Amazon wish list. I then import that wish list into my purse account there at saveatpurse.com. Some of the things I will do the instant buy, meaning that I save 5% Mm -hmm. instantly, don't have to wait on somebody to say, I'll buy that for you. Yep, just nice, quick, and easy. To get some of the larger discounts, and I've gotten 23% on three consecutive uh, orders. That's huge. That is huge. And so you put it in, and then you select your discount, and then you wait on somebody to say, I'm willing to buy these items for you Right. at, basically, they're paying the regular price, the, you know, mm-hmm. the Amazon spot price. You are funding your account with Bitcoin. So you get that discount by using Bitcoin. They're buying the bitcoin at a little bit of a markup but amazon still gets the you know spot pr- or the sticker price for the items you get the items through that wish list and it's an amazing way to wind up saving money on things you're going to buy anyway and that's the key you go to amazon anyway because they generally have what are pretty much always have a very competitive price. Yes. And suddenly you get to buy it for less just because you use Bitcoin and you use yes. purse.io. No, you use save at purse.com. Save I'm sorry. Save at purse.com. Now, 
people down in Venezuela, some of them are using Bitcoin. They are. And there were some people that wound up getting arrested for mining Bitcoin. Not going to get into exactly what mining of Bitcoin is, but if you've listened to Free Talk Live for any amount of time, you know that some of the hosts are fascinated with Venezuela. It's like watching a slow-motion train wreck that's affecting 30 million people. And there's some news out of Venezuela. It's actually not, you know, like, breaking news. Uh, Maduro resigns. Nothing like that, but there's been a new study, and the results of that study have been released. Fox News has the story. In a new sign that Venezuela's financial crisis is morphing dangerously into a humanitarian one, a new nationwide survey shows that over the past year, nearly 75% of the population, keep that number in mind, 75%, 75, so that's three out of every four, Mm -hmm. have lost an average of 19 pounds due to a lack of food. That's one way to lose weight. Move the to Venezuela, diet. the socialism yes. diet. I love it. The extreme poor said that they dropped even more weight than that. The again, more than nineteen pounds. I'm seeing like a due a to a money lack maker here. A money maker here, right? I got an idea. Like we'll do like an Atkins diet thing, but it'll be like you we, pay and we'll you get a trip an, to Venezuela exact, for a couple weeks. Exactly. We'll do an infomercial. Yeah. The 2016 <laughs> Living Conditions Survey <laughs> conducted among 6,500 families also found that as many as 32%, so about one in three Venezuelans, said that they only eat once or twice a day. One year ago, that figure was 11.3%. In total, 82% of the nation's households live in poverty. Venezuelans suffer shortages of the most basic goods from food to medicine amid triple-digit inflation and a nearly 80% currency collapse in the last year. Okay, I'm thinking, I don't think we need to go on Shark Tank for this. But this is my Shark Tank pitch. Dieting in America is a $60 billion industry. And think of the amount of money you and I could get, Heather, if we could just set people up with a nice place to stay and not be able to find any food to eat in (laughs) Venezuela for a month. We could cover, we could, because the, the government has destroyed the economy down there, we could find cheap hotels i mean for nothing or or you know cheap uh people's houses to just buy from them put them up down there plane ticket down plane ticket back you know if they survive think of all the think of all the weight they'll lose yeah it really kind of puts uh things into perspective here when you look at like first world problems versus third world problems where we have so much food in america people need to lose weight whereas third world countries they have so little food that they're starving and we're spending 60 billion dollars a year as a country trying to figure out how to lose weight is how you have all these people that are you know i don't know we have so much food in america that people are literally obese yet people are starving in other parts of the world well one thing that's interesting about the american society is the wealthy people tend to be a little more uh more fit slim and fit and it's the 
poor that tend to be True. heavier, whereas, you know, 500 hell, even 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. The wealthy people were the ones that were overweight because it meant that they could afford to basically eat as much as they want to. Right. And now, no need to work and do manual labor or right. anything. Right. Now being poor you know, like being obese and poor kind of go hand in hand because it's a sign of you can't afford to eat healthily. Right. You you can only afford the junk foods and, you know, stopping at McDonald's for a Big Mac and all that other stuff that is not good for you at all. I think there's a lot of people, though, I will say, I think there's a lot of people out there that can afford to eat healthy that just choose not to. And I think there's also a lot of people that don't actually understand what, like, a well-balanced diet is. Right. You know True. what I mean? But, yeah, and I, I think... Uh... The the market, <laughs> the market provides us with what we have. Okay, mm-hmm. we have all the junk in the stores because there's demand for all the junk. Yeah, there but I'm is. saying like That's if you go into a, a, a store, like you can get a bottle of water for ninety nine cents. You don't have to get soda. You can also get like bananas for ninety nine cents a pound. You don't have to get like crackers. Right. You know but, what I mean? But so where's it's not... the? I understand. Right, so hold I, on. I think for, that... first off, I want to know where you're overpaying for your bananas bananas <laughs> should only be about 49 well, that's what cents I meant. a pound yeah, whatever. Well, we're just uh, pedantic instead of buying here. a bottle of water <laughs> you get what i'll I'm do saying. this occasionally you could buy you know that uh I think what gallon I was... jug of water <laughs> for the same price well what i was thinking is you can walk into cumberland farms and they have like the bananas there for like two for a dollar or something like that right, three right, for right. A buck because yeah. they're selling them individually because they're a convenience store but we also have this whole push for healthy eating. So you see companies like Whole Foods, you know, the beautiful grocery stores, and Never you will been inside of one. Yeah, well, they oh, are. Nice. They're they're very nice. But yeah. you will probably triple what you would pay if you were just going out to shop wisely. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So right. so yeah, the the wealthier people will tend to uh, shop at places like Whole Foods and and the organic shops and, and things going like that. Back to which you what don't we, need to do to eat healthy. Well, what mm-hmm. we started the segment talking about is save it purse. Go to Amazon. You can find a bunch of health foods on Amazon. Sure. And then save 15% on top of that <laughs> using Bitcoin. Yeah. That's what I do for my smoothie. Like all of the things that I put in my smoothies, for the most part, I get from Amazon and save 5, 10, 15, or 20% or more. Well, hopefully not your honey. But what I will say is um, this, I think it's been a slow evolution. So we didn't have the problem with obesity during the like 30s, 40s, probably the the 50s. Well, no, no, 20s, say up until like the 1950s, 1960s. But then here's the, there's where technology can come in. So one of the the things that food restaurants, (laughs) we got fast food restaurants with, with McDonald's coming around. (laughs) And we also had the idea of frozen dinners and frozen foods and TV dinners. TV dinners. And then people wanted. Mom and dad both working. Exactly. That was a big change in society. So there wasn't one person who was there all day long to cook and clean and things like that. So between all these things, yeah, we might be not be eating as well Hmm. as we once did. And okay, so our, I guess of, the first fast food restaurant originated in the United States with A&W in 1919. 
855-450-3733. This is... We just got our new Rye Guys t-shirts. I chose the Power Corrupts shirt and the I'm Already Against the Next War shirt. These quality shirts look good and feel good, and they feature clever, thought-provoking designs to promote freedom, peace, and healthy skepticism of modern mythologies. The Rye Guys donate a portion of proceeds to Antiwar.com and the Future of Freedom Foundation. Enter coupon code FTL at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's RyeGuys.com. W-R-Y Guys.com. RyeGuys.com. It's a rye wit for today's shit. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Kicking off our number Two in studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And you can join us by calling 855-450-3733. We're discussing the Maduro diet, also known as the socialism diet, also known as daily life in Venezuela. New study done, uh, released just recently Fox News has the story. The 2016 Living Conditions Survey conducted among 6,500 families in Venezuela found that three out of every four Venezuelans said that they lost an average of 19 pounds last year due to a lack of food. Also found that nearly one in three Venezuelans eat only once or twice per day, 32.5% to be exact. One year ago, it was 11%. All right. So reason 589, well, why I absolutely hate socialism. All joking aside... This is going to kill people just like starvation has killed people all over the globe under socialism or a variation, a socialist uh, system of government, be it communism, be it straight socialism. Take your pick. We've talked before about some of the problems in Venezuela to where people spend on average 35 hours per month standing in lines. Do they you not you like... go to the store, you stand in line, and then when you get inside the store, whatever it is that they have, you can buy two of. It might be a Are day they, like, that they not have allowed eggs? to like grow their own vegetables and stuff. <laughs> you I can don't... grow them, but they get seized by the Venezuelan government. There have been people that have government been decides who told... gets food and who doesn't. There have been people that have been told, you're not working in the factories anymore, you're farming now. And it's just absolutely horrible because, again, you know, as Chris said, the government decides who gets what and when and how. And since everybody is able to buy two and you get assigned shopping days based on your id number so your id number ends with a one so you can shop on this day and when you get to the store you can buy two of whatever they have could be pairs of socks it could be loaves of bread you don't know until you get there but whatever it is you can buy two of and the government uh controls means of production It's not just that it's that uh how much a factory can put out how much farm 
a uh, how much of a farmer's food can make it to market. All these mm-hmm. things are decided by the experts. I'm so, just going to take a wild guess and see if Venezuela's got some strict gun laws. Yeah, yes, very, very much so. Probably. Yeah. But but we look at this in history and, and people will talk, you know, you can't have a conversation about death without bringing up Hitler. Um, Hitler or Mao or Stalin, but that's the point under Stalin. Uh, we look at the, uh, Russian famine of 32, 33. Mm-hmm. Now they had had famines before in Russia earlier in, in the communist reign, but they also had a drought then 32, 33. There was no drought. This was strictly what happens when government attempts to micromanage, uh, centrally plan an entire economy. And as a result in one year, Estimates vary between 4 and 10 million Russians died from government programs. That's all it comes down to. And then in Venezuela, again, they have triple-digit inflation and a nearly 80% currency collapse in the last year. And stores are being told, you're not allowed to sell this for market price. You have to sell this below cost. And if you try to adjust for inflation, then you wind up getting all of your items seized and you go to jail. Right. This is this is the only way. Our ideas are so good, only by the threat of force can we make them work. The article continues. A whopping 93% of respondents told researchers that their income was not good enough to cover their food needs which would explain why Venezuelans are replacing red and white meat with vegetables and tubers, mainly potatoes, and other cheap options. We talked previously, I believe, and how some Venezuelans are breaking into zoos to kill some of the zoo animals so that they can have food. Get protein. The zoo animals that haven't starved to death, that is. The... article go ahead no i i I mean this is the slippery slope and everybody will you know we we had lots of people this this election cycle saying you know but bernie's socialism isn't that kind of socialism you know it's democratic socialism so there's balloon animals (laughs) now the the theory is is that you know you only take socialism you know from here to there and then you stop when all the you've got all the benefits of it but that just hasn't proven to play out in history the Correct. the states that often get talked about are are the um not the baltic states the, the nordic the nordic countries. states right so you got Which sweden are technically not socialist because the means of production are privately held well but they did tend that way over the last 30 years or so and what they did was they they went in full bore they were like socialism great because they had these rich booming economies right. i've i've listened to some really good presentations by by swedish economists who talk a lot about this and it was so good that they felt that they could be very generous and they could take care of everybody so they implement all these socialist programs and then everything starts to tank and that's what happened and as a result as a reaction they wisely rolled back a lot of the socialist programs that they had in, implemented, a lot of the things that we give them, you know, socialists in America will give them credit for. They've already began to pull back on because they realized this this isn't working. Number one and number two, it's going to bankrupt us as a country. Mm-hmm. Mar- back to Venezuela, Maritza Landiata, a researcher with the Venezuelan Health Observatory, says there's a change in eating habit patterns. Since 2014, when the survey 
that being the Living Conditions Survey in Venezuela when that began. Previously, she says, Venezuelans consumed primarily rice, bread, and pasta. Now, it's tubers. In our qualitative studies, we observed mothers who say that they fed their children with only bananas or ayamas, which is a Venezuelan kind of pumpkin, to satisfy their feeding needs. So there has been a couple of times over the last year and a half where I have done this thing called Banana Island, where for a period of days you eat, as far as solid foods, nothing but bananas, and drink a smoothie, put, you know, bananas or plantains in your smoothie, and you can lose, you know, like five, ten pounds in just a couple of days. So it's a kind of detox diet thing. Right. That should not be your primary source of sustenance. And you can do that if you're wealthy enough to choose to do that. And know that if you start to feel ill... You can go out and buy a damn cheeseburger. You know what I mean? Or right. you can get some real protein into your system if if it's not working for you. These people are doing this because they have no alternatives, and that's right. horrendous. Yes. It's, it's criminal. It's immoral. Additionally, 65% of those surveyed, again, in Venezuela, admitted having children at home who have skipped school for food-related reasons, including filling in for their parents in the long food lines those food lines where the average venezuelan is standing for 35 hours per month venezuela's food crisis has gotten so bad that remains of everything from dogs and cats to donkeys and giant even giant anteaters have been found in garbage bags at city dumps across the country uh robert lineris a Maracabo waste disposal worker told the Miami Herald, sometimes we only find the animals' heads, guts, and legs. We used to see this very little, but the practice is now out of control and on the rise. He added he recently found on the streets the remains of a dog that had been skinned and dismembered. This, of course, being called the Maduro Diet. Your calls and thoughts welcome 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. It's the toll-free call-in line. 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And have you ever wanted to start your own blog or website, but you've not been able to put your idea into action? Well, you're in luck. HostGator, one of the top host companies out there, is offering a special deal to Free Talk Live listeners. Go to HostGator.com slash FTL and you can get up to 50% off their regular prices. Hosting your own website or blog can be intimidating, but HostGator makes it easy. HostGator offers a simple one-click, easy installation for WordPress, and they have 24-7 over-the-phone or live chat tech support and a very intuitive and user-friendly control that puts the power of creation and the simplicity of use into the hands of you, the customer. HostGator has a 99.99% uptime rating, so you don't have to worry about outages. 
to get the special offer of up to 50% off for Free Talk Live listeners. Go to HostGator.com slash FTL. From Venezuela to alternative facts. <laughs> and, you know, th- there might be some people claiming that, you know, all, all of that information out of Venezuela is alternative fact. I- I'm sure Maduro would say that. Uh, absolutely. And alternative <laughs> facts is a code word that was created, I believe, by uh, Press Secretary Sean Spicer for I didn't tell a lie. I just presented you with alternative facts. It's definitely become a meme. I- I'm become- six foot nine. And I dumped on Shaquille O'Neal in the 2005 NBA All-Star Game. Nice. That's not a lie. That's just alternative facts. There you go. (laughs) Sounds like fake news. It does. You have something, though. So I do. So to lighten it up a little bit, this is kind of a, you know, upbeat story that's titled, In Age of Alternative Facts, a college course on calling out scientific crap. (laughs) <laughs> okay. This comes from is, is, statnews.com. Is, is that the technical term? Does, does the article say I don't know. We'll crap, have to dive a little. It use a different well, word? Well, there's a subtitle that's calling BS in the age of big data. Ah, uh, there we go. Okay, so it starts off. Tired of alternative facts, fake news, and breathless hyperbole? Two professors. Hyperbole. Hyperbole. Hyperbole? <laughs> Is that is that an alternative fact? No, no, alternative no pronunciation? that's actually how it's pronounced. What, what does that mean? Uh, I've taking, never heard that before. Making something sound bigger than it is. Hyperbole. Sensationalism. So, there you go. Good way to put it. Okay. I think we could do without that word anyway. <laughs> Two professors at the University of Washington are trying to strike a blow for science. Their weapon, a new course calling BS in the age of big data. The class website and colorful syllabus went online last month and almost instantly went viral. We woke up the next morning to chaos. We had 20,000 visitors. Our mailboxes were full. We were getting book offers, said Carl Bergstrom, a biologist who helped create the course. Bergstrom's teaching partner, Jevin West, an assistant professor in UW's information school, put it this way. We just struck a nerve. Bergstrom and West are longtime scientific collaborators and have spent years grumbling about the inflated claims, manipulated algorithms, and twisted interpretations of scientific research that they see not just in the popular press, but also in grant applications and scientific papers. (laughs) We just thought instead of griping, we could make a class, a really fun class, Bergstrom said. So it it sounds to me what they're saying is... You know, we're just tired of people manipulating statistics. Who, right, who just BS. There's lies, damned lies, and statistics. I don't know, but I think I say it every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, just because it is, it's one of those things that's absolutely true. How you present something, you can present almost any idea in a way to sway opinion one way or the other. Right, and then, you know, even with quote-unquote, scientific studies or scientific uh, questionnaire sort of thing. You know, like, oh, this was a scientific poll because we had a large enough sample size. If you ask the question a certain way, you're going to get a certain answer. And there have actually been studies to show that 
you know, oh, yeah. manipulating the hmm. phrasing of the question changes the outcome. Which is why we should be suspect of polls, for example. Yes. Um, and to back to your earlier question, uh, Mark Twain is the one who popularized that phrase. There are lies, damn lies, three kinds of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. But he attributed it to um, British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli. So, oh, okay. So there hmm. you go. Now we know. <laughs> So the other thing that's cool, it says that though the course will be held on the University of Washington Seattle campus, capped at 160 students, it filled in the first minute of online <laughs> registration, but the materials are available free online. Sweet. I love when they but do that. How mm. will people ever be educated? Lectures are expected <laughs> to be posted as well. Wow. And they actually have the syllabus online, and I'm not going to read the entire thing, but the uh, final sentence of their syllabus in bold letters says, Our aim in this course is to teach you how to think critically about the data and models that constitute evidence in the social and natural sciences. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's great. So, yeah, that is one of the things that uh, seems to be a lost art. Um and I think it's it's always in danger is critical thinking that that we so many of us are just swayed by a headline and a claim, you know, mm-hmm. right. That's it. Uh, I, and, I read it. I saw it on Facebook. I think a lot of teachers these days discourage critical thinking as well. Oh, I know just right. from my experience, it was like the my favorite teachers were always the ones that would get really excited if you asked a question that they didn't have an answer to because right. it was like expanding on what they already knew. Yeah. It was that most, opportunity to expand. Right. And for most, them to learn. Most yeah. schools now will try to teach you what to think exactly how sure to think Mm -hmm. and that's sad it really is um that's and i hate to blame things on technology but that is one of those things that immersing yourself in social media 24 hours a day will do to your brain i i i really firmly believe that if if you're mm -hmm. never thinking about anything you're just taking things in as fact then and You're never going to exercise that skill. There's also confirmation bias to where somebody sees a headline that agrees with one of their pre-existing biases about whatever group or whatever person, and they don't you know, look for two seconds that, oh, this is from The Onion, or this is from right. The Daily Current, or this is from some site that if you click on it and then scroll to the bottom and try to click an About <laughs> Me, the or the about us it's either not clickable or it takes you to a page that says everything on this site is made up right and again dangers of immersing yourself in social media social media tries to give you what you are interested in so we sort of are creating our own little echo chamber our own Mm -hmm. reinforcement for the things we already believe it's always the libertarians that like my status yeah exactly (laughs) i want an echo chamber of people that don't post made up stuff as if it were real this is free talk live 855-450-3733 The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. 
But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733 in studio. It's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we'll go back into this article in just a moment to the phones where we've got Sarah calling in (laughs) from New Mexico. Sarah, I've got good news for you. The soda yes. tax in Philadelphia has seen a <laughs> reduction in soda sales of 50%. That's got to make oh, you happy, really right? Wonderful. Well, it does, you know, because uh, it'll be less people on diabetes and kidney <laughs> failures and people put on dialysis, you know, Um but, uh, so it's a good thing, you know? Not um, necessarily. I, I'm guessing that if you look at the suburbs of Philadelphia, you'll see that they've had a spike in soda sales. But that that's not what you called in about tonight. Well, what's on your mind, Sarah? Oh, yes. I, I just wanted to, um, you know, it's kind of related to this. It's because of that. I all, Yesterday at night, I talked about education, how the first thing they love to defund is our libraries. Um, computer centers and our schools, and but um, yeah, there's, there's a, a there's a term for that. It's called the uh, Washington Monument uh, syndrome, to where they cut the funding for things that people like, but then they continue funding the things that people don't like or don't want, so that people like you get all up in arms of how dare they cut funding for this program that i really 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 like how dare oh, they well, cut funding to we, libraries we can just we, we can just you know wind up raising your taxes and then people say well if it'll give us this thing that we like right no but that is cutting i think cutting funding from libraries is specifically to keep people from having access to education that's not in their controlled department of education because libraries are full of information and alternative ideas contrary to what they teach in schools sure and most libraries only get a fraction of their funding from a government entity so they'll survive as will art museums they'll survive without the government funding right take that well the thing is is that but we really have to fight really hard to get the uh, new library built in the southeast. Uh, they've been talking about it for 10 years. But my point, again, is that, you know, they have money for that sports arena, $100 million or $150 million, whatever. Yeah, and I don't think okay. they should be spending money on that. And this is something that we said last night. Just because we oppose funding one thing doesn't mean that we support funding something else. We're against funding yeah, all of it. Is, is that my, my point is that my emphasis is that they emphasize this entertainment, $3 million on the Summerfest downtown. It's about dancing and partying. It makes us feel good, right. but it doesn't make us any smarter. That's how much they blow every year, uh, $3 million, and all these money blown on parties and um, sports complexes and entertainment and sports and ball games, and hey. yet... I'm right there with you. I agree with you completely. This is done on my my thing is that this is done on purpose, okay? Because they're threatened us by uh, being able to read and being educated. Because we will figure out that the sugar is killing us. Because people that go into the health professionals, they learn when they get educated 
and they're they're reaching out and trying to help other people. So that it's a threat of controlling us to be educated. The dumber we are, the more they like it. Well, right. So so why do you want the government educating you if they're the ones that want you dumb? They don't really want us. They want us somewhat smart so we could do the job. Right. So we could count change. Right. They, they want work. you smart enough to know what to think, but not how to think. Sarah, thank you for the call. Let's go to Greg calling in from New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hey, I guess I've become a sort of fairly regular caller mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, hey, gentlemen Hi. and lady. Hey. How are you? <laughs> Hey, Heather. Um, so I I called in about two days ago. I don't think you were on. Um, I was talking about how <clears throat> if people had a sort of safety net, they would be more free and they would be able to get jobs. Um, and someone mentioned uh, who called in, there was sort of this idea that I don't like work. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is not so great today. Um, I don't like work. I don't like working. I just want a free handout. <clears throat> the thing is, I actually love my job. Uh, what I do is I make uh, apps that have been downloaded by <clears throat> several million people around the world in over 110 countries. Um, I love what I do. And even if I didn't make millions of dollars, let's say, uh, doing it, if I made $10, I would still choose to do this if I could, if I didn't have to pay the rent. Right. Uh, so my point is, it's not out of a sense that I don't want to work that I'm saying this. I actually see less freedom among people that, you know, frankly, live paycheck to paycheck, have to feed their families. Um, I actually trust people to still want to work. Not everybody, but enough people will want to work without the threat of hunger and eviction, uh, which, <clears throat> which is true also. There's coercion on that side. There's not just coercion on the, on the side of the people getting taxed. There's always coercion on the side of the workers, the people that have to work to, to basically keep a roof over their <clears throat> their head. Mm-hmm. So do that's you, my point. Do you uh, think that people that become dependent on on the government largesse for their for their survival, for their day to day, do you think they are more easily uh, manipulated by politicians that, or less manipulated? I believe people, um, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, get dependent on whether it's a full-time employee paycheck from a corporation. In Japan, in Japan, there's a whole culture that you choose your corporation. It's like feudalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to get dependent on your salary. So, Hold on. Part, part of what you said cut out there, Greg. <clears throat> you, you get dependent on that steady paycheck regardless of who pays your salary. I would like it to be un- no, on just the basics, but unconditional. Regardless of what you do, you can't lose your, say, your food stamps or whatever. You can't lose it. You can't go hungry. And at that point, you're free. You're free to decide, hey, you know, I don't want to be an Uber driver. I want to cure this disease. And you start studying. And if you abolish intellectual property, you can actually um, contribute to growing body of knowledge i want to see this Ugh, i just a had a huge society. debate on facebook about that We're getting rid of the intellectual property laws yeah but mm-hmm. i i think that the key question here is is whether people will be better off or worse off 
with a uh, guaranteed livable wage, a, um, I'm sorry, a universal, what's the term, Daryl? Universal basic income. And yeah. there's actually an article from Fee, that's the Foundation for Economic Education, titled UBI is Even Worse Than Welfare. The- I, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Greg, and this is just my opinion. I, I think that when we, uh, when you take away the need for need need for any work, in other words, that's the idea of UBI is is that I can literally do nothing and I will not die. That's that's it. You know, I'm going to have a roof over my head, or I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to have food, and I am free to pursue whatever I want. A lot of people. To to me that that's what required that's why I got jobs. Like all these got to work. All these <laughs> these these were the reasons why I I did well in the corporate world and why I've started my own companies over the years and why I've done all these things because I did not want to be dependent on someone else for everything and and that's what what that does. the The other side of that is is the effect on people's psyche. I, I think it's an altruistic thought to believe that people, if they have just this basic income that they never have to worry about, will suddenly come up with these amazing things that they want to do to help better mankind. I think a lot of them are going to just say, cool, no more work. Yeah. We just may disagree on that. Greg, thanks for the call. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's 855 855- Four five zero three seven three three. We'll get back into the alternative facts course here in moments. This is free talk. Live, 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Tether. And Chris. And I want to invite you to try my pillow. Not mine. You, You can't come over and take the one that I use, but you can get your very own MyPillow risk-free for 60 days. MyPillow is designed to fit to the shape of your body and hold your neck in the proper position. I've been using it for close to a year, and it's the best pillow I've ever had. And unlike regular pillows, you can take your MyPillow, throw it in the washing machine, throw it in the dryer, and then it's actually usable. It doesn't just get turned into kindling for building a campfire. Go to MyPillow.com. Use code FTL as in free talk live. MyPillow.com. Code FTL. Get your very own MyPillow at half price or you can get a second pillow free of charge. And remember, if you don't like it in the first 60 days, you get your money back and the pillow itself is guaranteed to last you 10 years. That's MyPillow.com. Code FTL. Let's go to Skype. I believe we have Parker on the line uh, on Skype. Parker, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Daryl. Hey, uh, other hosts. Heather, Heather and Chris. Chris. Hey, guys. So um, I'm sure that you guys are aware of the fact that in 2005, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled 
that the police have no obligation whatsoever to protect you or your property, right? That was one of uh, many court rulings, yes. Right. Well, my understanding of a contract is that, or, or a business agreement, is if I agree to give you X in exchange for uh, a good or service and the party in question does not uphold their end of the deal, I'm of no obligation to pay for that good or service, right? Uh, unless there's the asterisk that says, unless you're the government. Now, right. here, here's something interesting, and it's one of the things that I really like about New Hampshire, written into the New Hampshire state constitution is the following sentence. When men enter into a society, they surrender up some of their natural rights to that society in order to ensure the protection of others, and without such an equivalent, the surrender is void. That's Part 1, Article 3. Now, the problem runs into, even though the U.S. Supreme Court, on more than one occasion, has ruled that there is no obligation to protect they still claim that, nope, you still have to surrender some of your rights because those cases didn't involve anyone from New Hampshire. So, therefore, uh, well, what's the phrase from <laughs> elementary school? Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, stick your head in doo-doo, basically. Wait, so is he saying, though, like, in terms of, like, consumer, like, buying something? So, like, if you were to pay somebody to do work on your well, porch the, the and claim, you didn't like the, what they the work that they did, did would you still have to pay them for for it the, the uh, claim is, that, is that so i'm asking him what his question was okay well i mean let's say hypothetically speaking that that my parents asked me to snow blow the driveway after a really heavy snowstorm okay yep. and i didn't snow blow the driveway and there was the agreement that if You're i in snow- breach of contract yeah, if I snow blew the driveway, I would get $20. But because I didn't uh, render the service that they had asked of me, no no payments can be garnered from that. Right. So right. the correlation right. to the police would be, I pay you with my taxes, therefore, and you don't provide the service, therefore, go ahead, Parker. So basically, if they're not protecting us, why are we paying them? Uh, because they have the guns. So we pay them to come get people that are dangerous and detain them and keep them out of the the general public. That's what their original... They're not obligated to do that. You pay them because they have the guns, and if you don't pay them, then you go to jail. But unlike a business agreement to where, you know, if you don't want the services provided by McDonald's or Target or Walmart, you don't go there. Mm-hmm. Governments claim we exist with the consent of the governed. Now, there are various types of consent. There's express consent, meaning that you have taken an action to say, I give my consent sure. to X. And then there's implied consent. Of right. you consent to me punching you in the face because you did not move back fast enough or far enough, and the government say that because you are within jurisdiction that we claim, you have consented to everything we do. Uh, But my question is, okay, what do you call representative consent? Or is that just its own thing? Because we have allegedly, uh, at least we started out with a... That's a a form of implied consent. You have not left, so therefore you consent. Okay. Right. So the question that I have is, 
what would happen, hypothetically speaking, if I were to write up a notice of cancellation and give them to uh, the mayor of the town I live in, the chief of police, the sheriff, the uh, county uh, commissioner, what would happen? I think that's a better question for a Wednesday night when Jay Noon is here. Uh, because okay. he definitely has I mean, you some You can always theories. give it a try and then call back in and let us know what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you need to do. Jay definitely has some <gasps> theories on this, and I, I forget what he has termed this form of letter, uh, but Jay would be the one that I, I think you should uh, ask on that, Parker. Thank you for yeah, thanks. the call. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the phones where we've got Matthew calling in from connecticut matthew you're on free talk live go ahead with your thoughts hey how are you all doing today great Um, i was watching a youtube video of this uh woman who analyzes body language and uh in one of her more recent videos it was of the trump and netanyahu press conference the israel prime minister i wanted to know in general, what you guys uh, think of Israel, I've heard arguments that they have too much control over U.S. foreign policy. Um, people in the comments section seem pretty excited about Netanyahu and uh, Trump. I was someone who kind of liked Trump in certain aspects. Maybe I was tricked by Stefan Molyneux or Christopher Kemmel or people like that. But I liked him specifically in, in the anti-political correctness stuff. I think I may have been conned a little bit. Maybe he is um, just really, in truth, a re- uh, representative of the establishment. But I wanted to know what you guys thought about um, Israel in general, basically. I'll give you my two cents worth. Um, I, I, Israel's a country thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. And if people want to donate money to the Israeli cause, feel free. I don't think my tax dollars need to go there, but I don't think my tax dollars um, should go anywhere or even there should be my tax dollars. So I'm not in favor of any foreign aid. I I think it's a ridiculous concept. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's where I stand. So, um, I'm kind of with Chris on that one. And uh, my thing is, is when you understand the concept of governments and what governments do, it doesn't really matter if it's the Israeli government, if it's the United States government, if it's the Saudi government, any government that's not voluntary and based on coercion and violence is going to end up having corruption. So the Israeli government is just as like guilty of the same stuff that America is. Do they drop bombs on innocent people? Yes. Do they they draft people into their military and force them to fight? They take them out of religious schools and they make them go fight in wars that to many uh, Jewish people is actually unethical. And there were protests in New York City of a bunch of Orthodox Jews that were protesting the state of Israel saying that they didn't want their Jewish men taken out of their religious schools and their religious studies to go fight in these bloody wars you know that they really they don't want to fight and then they'll seize territory from palestinians and then you know ex post facto decree that no that was a legal uh settlement even though the law was changed after the settlement was created to say Mm -hmm. that it's legal this is why i just people of israel are good i think government the israeli government is just as bad as the american government is bad as the russian government or the palestinian government or you know what i mean syrian government i i yeah i just i just if, if i could wave a magic wand we would just be out of the middle east completely 
let things happen, let trade take over, and and let us establish our relationships with people based on trade, not based on and cooperative means, peaceful means. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew, thank you for the call. Hour three coming up next. 855-450-3733 is the toll-free call-in line. That's 855-450-3733. We still need to get back into this alternative <laughs> facts story. We'll do that here in moments here on Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the toll-free call-in line. We're kicking off our number three in studio. It's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we started talking in the last hour about alternative facts. You've Mm -hmm. heard the term probably it was several days after I first saw the term alternative facts, and I was like, what is this alternative facts thing? And somebody was like, Daryl, you're a news guy. How do you not know what this is? Because I don't you know, like live and die based off of what's trending on social media. Like, I, I could really care less about you know, various uh, you know, trending social topics. Daryl? Cash me outside. How about that? Yeah, I don't know what that means either. I saw the video and I still don't know what the hell that means. Cash but, me outside. But, how about that? But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, I, I did a search for you know like alternative fact origin, and apparently it's something that Sean Spicer said in reference to claims that you know like Donald Trump had the biggest inauguration crowd ever how about that and somebody was like but no he didn't and he was like well i wasn't lying i was presenting alternative facts fair enough so apparently alternative facts is now such a big thing that the university of washington at their seattle campus had to create a class on teaching people how to call out quote unquote scientific crap. <laughs> and I still don't know if that's a technical term. <laughs> I think it's as legitimate as any other scientific mm. term. It's actually pretty interesting, though. So the class actually taps into a growing sense of unease among devotees of the empirical method that valid science is too frequently distorted or dismissed while outright scams are embraced. And again, I think a lot of this has to do with this thing called confirmation bias Mm -hmm. to where people want to believe that Donald Trump did X or that Barack Obama said Y or that, you know, somebody went somewhere 
when none of it is really based on reality. And when you try to tell people this has been made up, they say, well, it could be true. And it goes from both sides of the aisle. That's the interesting part. I mean, you'll have, uh, you know, Donald Trump walked on water. Did you hear about that? You know, or or it's Barack Obama uh, or or Donald Trump uh, killed hundreds of Muslims over the weekend. I mean, the the stories are insane, but they will be right. used by either side of the aisle mm-hmm. to try to make their point. This is this is my the story of my Facebook newsfeed. And then the <laughs> the whole thing to where like some 4chan jokers decided to make up a story about uh Trump hiring a Russian to urinate on him and then it even came out like somebody fabricated this and people were like but it could still be true. You don't know that he didn't do it. Where's the investigation? Yeah. So <laughs> continue. Okay, so the article continues. What I'm finding among scientists is an uneasiness that goes back years, even decades, about an eroding appreciation of science, how it works, and how it's incorporated into our society. And it seems to be in a crescendo right now, physicist Rush Holt, chief executive of American Association of the Advancement of Science, told Stat earlier this week. Scientists around the world are even organizing a series of marches on Earth Day in April, which they're billing as a call to support and safeguard the scientific community. In Seattle, the professors hope to do their part by dissecting case studies, or as they call it, BS in the wild, (laughs) to demonstrate how scientific data can be manipulated to mislead the public. Examples include a Fox News report on food stamp fraud. The professors promised to explain how Fermi estimation can cut through BS, BS. like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> the duo has fielded many requests from other institutions who want to create their own courses using the material. In the name of scientific literacy and reason populace, they are more than happy to share. No copy- copyright, no trademark. Use it, take it, run with it, Wes said. They've been- this is probably my favorite part of the entire thing. Right. They're, they're putting Freedom. it out there. Right. It says they've been pleasantly surprised, just to finish up the last little paragraph, uh, they've been pleasantly surprised to see an upswell of interest from high school and middle school teachers, too. For them, we'll have to retitle it Calling Malarkey, Bergstrom joked. <laughs> so here's my concern. I do love the fact that they are putting all the material out there so anybody can take this mm-hmm. course. That's great. Yes. But will it is their intent to show things on from both spectrums. So one of my big gripes has been manipulation of the climate record, which climate scientists have been caught time and time again manipulating the numbers to make it look better politically, better for funding, better for grants, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, will they take on subjects like that, or is it going to be biased completely against you know sort of the right? You know what well, I mean? I've actually pulled up the syllabus, so I can tell you. Excellent. Uh, Thank you, Daryl. Schedule. Lectures. Introduction to BS. That's lecture number one. <laughs> lecture number two. Spotting BS. The natural ecology of BS. Causality. Statistical traps. Visualization. Big data. Publication bias predatory publishing and scientific misconduct the ethics of calling bs 
Number 11 is fake news. And number 12 is refuting BS. Mm. So, yeah, so they don't get any specifics about topics that they might discuss um, as examples of, you know, uh, scientific uh, malfeasance or things like that. Well, uh, let me just skip down here a little bit. And instead of just reading the titles, they do have a brief little synopsis of each of their uh, discussions. For week two, spotting BS, they say truth like liberty requires eternal vigilance. How do you spot BS in the wild? Affect sizes, dimensions, Fermi estimation, and checks on plausibility claims in the interest of those who make them. And then they have forensic data analysis from the Grimm test and the Newcomb Banford law or Benford law. This is something I'm not familiar with. Sorry, right, but they're talking about methodology. Do they give any examples of things that they may be delving into or using Case as examples? studies, food stamp fraud and 99% caffeine free. Okay. Under the natural ecology, they say, where do you find it? Uh, why news media provides it? There's a TED Talk and the marketplace for upscale of it. Uh, why social media provides ideal conditions for the growth and spread of it. And then under uh, causality, they have a case study on traffic improvements. And I'll pull that up to see exactly what they're talking about here. Skipping so we can down, share that with one of our callers. Under publication <laughs> bias, they have some uh, reading and supplementary reading. Uh, it's available for free online for is. anybody that's listening to I'll be pull up the same the, thing right now. The link will be posted on the Facebook and the Twitters so that anybody can uh, pull this up for themselves. Under refuting BS, the case study that they look at is gender gap in 100 M times. So I'll also pull that up hmm. as well to see what they're talking about here. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I love the idea. Um, I, I, God, I'm such a skeptic anymore. I'm just a pessimist. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I hear like this it. great idea, and I'm like, well, that's just going to be used for partisan, you know, play. And so I, I under, hope not. Under traffic improvements, uh, they look at something in the Seattle area. Two seconds cost seventy-four million dollars. That amount was set aside to improve the Mercer mess. Lanes were added. Signal capacity was improved. And in the end, commute improved by two seconds. I've been there. $74 million. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Bring up whatever is on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Tether. And Chris. And we mentioned this very briefly earlier in the show tonight. There's an update out of Philadelphia. The beloved, not quite former hometown of Chris, but you didn't live too terribly far from philly nah two three hours no i thought you were closer than that no philly was a big city that was that was a long ways away 
I lived in the dead center. Most states are like this. Like you have culture and entertainment on the edges of states. Mm-hmm. I lived dead center. <laughs> Harrisburg, Pennsylvania areas, That's not really not the culturally the center of the state. Call it South Central. It's not really the uh, cultural epicenter of the state of Pennsylvania. True, and it's also the place where the legislative sausage gets made. It is, and where we have an upcoming Libertarian, which you'll be attending, the LPPA convention. Exactly, April April first. No foolin'. <laughs> uh, that's actually one of the taglines that they're using is no foolin'. Those clever libertarians. But Philadelphia, we discussed a few weeks ago where they implemented this horrible tax on sweetened beverages that in some cases wound is up there a good almost doubling. <laughs> no, no, there's not. But This one this, was really bad. This is really bad. In some cases, almost doubling the... Uh, almost doubling the uh, cost of sugary beverages. And, well, it's had an impact. Some would say the desired impact. The story from Bloomberg says that Philadelphia's six-week-old tax on sweetened beverages is already taking a toll on drink distributors and grocers, with some reporting sales dropped as much as 50%. Canada Dry Delaware Valley, a local distributor of Canada Dry Ginger Ale, Sunkist, a Root Beer, Arizona Iced Tea, and Vito Coco, said business fell 45% in Philadelphia in the first five weeks of the year compared to the same period last year. Total revenue at Brown's Superstores, which operates 12 ShopRite and Fresh Grocer Supermarkets, fell 15% at its six retailers in the city. So my question would be, what are sales in the surrounding area? Mm. Have they increased because people, some people are driving outside uh, to buy their soda? That's what I would speculate. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if you can order soda on Amazon, Amazon Grocery. I probably, probably. yeah. I, I know that there have been some beverages that I have ordered from Amazon. Hmm. There, there's a uh, coconut drink that I normally buy at Target. Sometimes Target is out of stock. And I will order from Amazon, use Bitcoin through Save It Purse, and wind up saving money on it. <laughs> because it's we one just of those... can't quit talking about purse because it's that great, people. Well, and th- this drink is one of those to where there's a Prime only price for it, right? And I don't have Prime, but I can use the Save It Purse, get that five percent instant discount ah. and the Prime rate, which Clever. is why I'll use that instant buy option occasionally right Hmm. so the article from bloomberg continues jeff brown ceo of brown's superstores good name by the way uh says in 30 years of business there's never been a circumstance in which we've ever had a sell decline of any significant amount i would describe the impact as quote nothing less than devastating Philadelphia became the first major U.S. city to implement a soft drink tax when it approved a levy of 1.5 cents per ounce on sweetened beverages in June, almost doubling the price of a 12-pack of cans and 2-liter bottles. 
The legislation gave momentum to the anti-soda movement, further battering an industry that was already facing long-term cell declines amid increased health concerns. And and as we go back to that tax, the example they gave was uh, fountain soda, where the article we were reading talked about fountain soda and how you buy syrup. A five-gallon bag of syrup. Five-gallon bag of syrup, which sold for, what was it, Daryl, 55, 60 bucks? Between 60 to $90, depending on the brand name. Right. But then the tax on that amount was... $57.60. Even though the guy's profit margin is only $3, so what do you think he did? Yep, surprise, surprise, he tacked on the tax. Right. On top of, instead of losing... $57 $57 on an item. Because nobody goes into business to lose money. Correct. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. So the, the consequence of all this is higher prices for consumers. Uh, apparently, in this case, a change in behavior, which we have seen in different taxes as they've been applied. When cigarette taxes went completely out of control in a lot of areas. Number New of York people's- State, I think their cigarette tax is about what a pack of cigarettes cost in New Hampshire. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. it's really really high. So sometimes they do have the desired effect, but and then that is, was that why doesn't that make in, it right in New York. That um was Eric Garner, Eric Garner the was, one that was killed because he was allegedly selling cigarettes that weren't taxed. He like, was selling so loose cigarettes. Loose yeah. cigarettes. That's what they call them. Yeah, Lucy's. Lucy's. Yeah. Yeah, like that's how bad like these taxes and this stuff does that it drives people because that's what it means, right? This soda tax that it means if you're selling like loose cans of soda now, right? It becomes a crime that you can literally be arrested and thrown in jail for. Oh yeah, I couldn't, like, I couldn't go it's into not just the a peaceful little tax thrown on something. It's literally backed by the threat of force. Well, and no, the, I couldn't, I couldn't open up my own business uh, in say New Jersey. Yeah. Um, you know, and bootlegging uh, soda into the city of Philadelphia, I'd get arrested or I'd right. end up in a shootout with the police over frickin' soda. And, and the interesting thing here is the mayor has accused the supermarkets and the grocers of price gouging <laughs> for daring to include tax. On an item. I know. And the reason he's mad about darn it businesses. is because it's not a sales tax. It's a tax at the wholesale level. It's Which, not a retail tax. As if that doesn't matter. My advice to the mayor of Philadelphia, go out, get yourself some Hazlitt. You want to read Economics in One Lesson. It's a nice, easy book. It's a great book. It'll explain. It's a good book. It's a great book, Daryl. I will not have you defile the name of Hebner no, Hazlitt no, in my no, presence. No, no, it, It's a good... Hazlitt starts off his chapters really good and then ends with, but sometimes tax isn't a bad thing. It will give you a great basic understanding of economics. It will give you a good basic understanding and lead you to some flawed conclusions. It did not with me. But... <laughs> You know, maybe Chris, you should come in well, on a Sunday night. I know they with do the Johnny Ray and do the, book club. Do the uh, Henry Hazlitt Economic in One Lesson Book Club. Yeah, that book is uh, fifty, sixty years old. I'm sure there's some stuff in it that that I've kind of skimmed over in the two or three times I've read it because I just sort of disregard status thinking as mm-hmm. I'm reading it. 
Um, but but for an overview of basic economics, uh, for a basic understanding... This is oh. Free Talk Live. We'd like to invite you to visit freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Live, 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And if you're going to do any shopping online anytime soon, start by going to shop.freetalklive.com. You'll find links to Amazon. There's Amazon US, Amazon Canada, Amazon UK, links to Newegg and various other online shopping platforms. You're not going to wind up paying more when you go through shop.freetalklive.com, but what happens is those outlets wind up giving us some of that money. So it's a way that you can help Free Talk Live without spending any extra money other than what you were going to spend anyway. That's shop.freetalklive.com. We'll get back into the Philly soda tax fallout, if you will, where some of the stores are saying that they've seen soda sales drop by 45%, and that's all because of the 1.5 cent per ounce tax on sweetened beverages that got passed in June of last year, implemented January 1st of this year. But first, to the phones where we've got Eric calling from Delray Beach, Florida. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Good evening. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Go ahead with your thoughts. Okay, I have three different comments on what you guys have uh, been discussing tonight. The first thing is with this Venezuela, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the diet. The Maduro diet, where uh, three out of every four Venezuelans say that they cannot afford to eat more than two meals a day, some of those eating only one meal a day. On average, people have lost about 20 pounds in the last year because of the lack of food. Right. And there's uh, an interesting point here, um, and you guys had mentioned it Uh the Venezuelan people have also been starved or being starved of the right to bear arms and uh, own ammunition. Uh, in 2012, Hugo Chavez introduced a law. Now, I don't know if introduced means it was an executive order or if it was passed through the uh, the uh, Congress that they have there. But it uh, the goal was to, quote unquote, improve security and cut crime. And the law was designed to keep guns in the hands of police, the military, and some private contractors. Wow, that sounds familiar. Sounds safe to me. Yeah. Just kidding. So So we're going to reduce crime by making more things illegal. Okay. And then we're going to control people and what they can eat and, and prevent them from actually making their own food. And defending themselves from the aggressive socialist government. Yeah, uh, it's uh, you know, it's it's this is uh, this is the pattern, and this is why you know, like, you know, the the Second Amendment is just such a godsend for us, and we really have to do everything we can to 
uh, I feel like the right to people don't arms. realize that government can be used as a weapon. It can be used as like organized crime. And that's exactly what we see happening in Venezuela. And it's like if we don't smarten up in this country that we're going to kind of end up seeing the same fate. <laughs> and I got to I got to say, I am a gun guy. I mean, I, I really am I'm carrying right now because I'm always carrying. Mm-hmm. Um but I kind of oh, disagree yeah. on the the fact that, you know, we have the Second Amendment and it protects us. If it weren't for people, and, and it sounds like you may be one of them who's willing to stand up every time government decides that they're going to make us safer by taking away our weapons. The Second Amendment doesn't do jack. Um, people do jack. Um, that's that's right. the key. Yeah. And, and we can refer to yeah. that. And we can we can badger the courts and badger politicians and. And remind them uh, that they took an oath to protect and defend a constitution. But unless people stand up and are constantly vigilant of what's going on, it could be gone tomorrow. Absolutely. And uh, we have, uh, I forget the guy's name. He's a representative that's moving up in the Democratic Party. Keith somebody, Ellison or something like that. Yeah, I know Um, who you're talking about. Okay, and he was recently interviewed and just straight up uh, said, "Yeah, we uh, we might have to roll back the Second Amendment." Uh, you know, uh, I, it's, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Please, yeah. please okay, tell yeah, me yeah, how yeah. you're going to get that one passed. No, I would not want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, you know, the, he's moving up in the party, and uh, you know, just like it's crazy. Now, uh, the other thing I want to get into: you guys are talking about space. And I want to go a little bit deep with you guys. Um, It it looks like I've done quite a bit of research, and I'm pretty certain that there is a secondary classified uh, secret space program. Um, I know it's the thing of, you know... uh, it's conspiracy and all that, but I, you know, I'm a pretty educated man, and, and there is a lot of chaff and and fake weird stuff about this. But in the research I've done, it, it looks to me, and there are a number of whistleblowers um, and people like Catherine Austin Fitz, who was uh, she was a secretary for HUD under uh, Bush Senior. Mm-hmm. Um, no of her and. Uh, Okay, you know, and she she's one of the people that has really gone after the financial uh, shenanigans that are going on. You know, we had prior to 9-11, we had we had, uh, you know, Secretary of Defense saying we can't find two point three trillion or you can't account for it. Okay, and now last summer we had a six point five trillion unaccountable. Okay, now the black budgets that the military and the Pentagon have are classified and we know for a fact it's 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 out there that there are heavily classified uh programs dealing with space and i don't some of these that. yeah i don't doubt that either yeah some of these whistleblowers are incredibly credentialed um and it looks to me like one of the main points is the navy is actually heavily involved with this okay um, a lot of focus, we always focus on the Air Force and, and NASA and everything, but it looks like the Navy is very heavily involved uh, and that NASA is really kind of like a public relations front for the American public mm-hmm. um, using systems that are that are a little bit antiquated. And we've seen the slowdown right. in NASA and uh, with a lot of 
people in, in this community that are doing research are saying is, you know, they've made so many strides in the classified programs um, that they and, and that's sucking so much money. So these missing trillions or unaccounted trillions. That's where they're going. Okay? Mm-hmm. It looks like and Catherine Austin Fitz is. I I I believe what she has to say about this. Uh, she runs a site called Solari.com. If anyone yep. would like to look into it, the Solari or the um, Solari other, report. Yep. Correct. Correct. And the other great researchers on this, uh, Dr. Joseph P. Farrell and Richard Dolan. Um, it's definitely worth a look. So, um, so I support. I support. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. What I was going to say was, I mean, this this should not be surprising. I think anybody who doesn't believe that the government diverts money into black programs suddenly has forgotten all about the SR-71 Blackbird, the U-2 mm-hmm. spy plane. The fact that we just popped up out of nowhere uh, after close to a decade with Lockheed Martin Skunk Works with a plane that was invisible to radar. Nobody even conceived that this was something that could be possible. Oh, and suddenly we had the B-1 and the B-2. Yeah. Um, so we do this kind of thing all the time. Uh, one of the key things that I think Daryl brought up earlier was the uh, X-37B space plane. You know, right. ask your right. average citizen, you know, is there such a thing? They'll probably say, no, that sounds like fake news. Wait, Daryl, is that an alternative fact? But that thing's been up there 700 and some days, and we don't know what it's doing. So I'm, exactly. I'm with you completely. <laughs> sounds like hyperbole. Eric, it is. thank you for the hyperbole. call. 855-450-3733. That's the toll-free call in line. Possibly time for you and your thoughts in the closing moments. If you call in right now, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Possibly time for you and your thoughts if you call in now. In studio, it's Daryl. And Heather. And Chris. And we go to Skype where we've got Taylor calling in. Taylor, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Thanks, Daryl. It's actually Mike in Ohio. Oh, okay. Um, the name here on Skype is Taylor. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so my grandpa worked for NASA. He, he was with the um, lunar landings. He he was mm-hmm. a engineer. He he did the engineering, the the electrical engineering on the um, on the moon landings, and he worked with Warner von Braun. And what a lot of people may not know is that. Um, a lot of Germans. He worked with a lot of Germans. He, he, we, he, my, my, my dad grew up in Cape Canaveral, Florida. He lived in Huntsville, Alabama, and, and he wherever the space program went. And uh-huh. in Huntsville, there's a bunch of like a Lutherans, uh, Germans, and it, Lutheran churches because they were they they were uh, Germans, and those Germans were worked on the V twos and oh, yeah. uh, Nazi in Nazi Germany, and um, basically. Um, all those guys had my my uh, grandfather. They had 
big-time paying government jobs. Now, 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 as you said, it's probably the least offensive, and they were smart people, hardworking. My, my grandpa actually died of an aneurysm at age 40 because he was one of these guys who just worked all the time and was stressed out. But as far as actual actual productivity of it all, I'm not really sure what they did. I, I mean, there might have been some technological advances, but it probably would have happened anyway. And in mm-hmm. the case of, of my grandpa, if he would have took his talents, his intellect, his ability and went to the marketplace, he would have lived longer. He would have produced more and he would have even been wealthier, I think, because he would have been able to offer value in a much better way than just helping go to the moon. Although from a macro sense, it, it's, it's, it's a great accomplishment that people were able to send something to the moon and walk. OK, I get that. But it would have happened anyway. And um, not only that, when it comes to the sugar tax, your body doesn't know. Like like, like your body can't separate if the sugar is from a banana or from a Coke. Now, now you can have fiber in certain food, which 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 makes it which makes it digest slower. So your blood sugar levels don't 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 arise. But but I, I brought this up before. If you drink five kombucha drinks which is fermented uh sugars okay mm-hmm. you're getting a bunch of sugar in your body that way too oh that's so, healthy though <laughs> right it's all got to be good for you yeah exactly exactly right and 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 so and the bottom line is if the government didn't put um um basically not allow imports of like cane sugar and and uh, other kind of things Coca-Cola wouldn't have to have, or not not just Coca-Cola. I mean, in theory, you you could you could put cane sugar in drinks. You could make them healthier, right? And um and that's the problem. And like Sarah, and 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 I think she actually means well. I actually she don't think she 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 comes from a bad place. But like, I like when Sarah. I hear her, yeah. When when I hear her though, I can't help but think like Venezuela. I, I'm like Sarah, right? If 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 you you don't understand, you would cause us to live in Venezuela. This is what would happen if you had your way. And, and <laughs> right. it's scary. Yeah. It's scary because because she she really does. She has lived. She she gets seven hundred something dollars a month. She gets food stamps. She's lived thirty years. She's never had to offer value. Right. She doesn't have to work fourteen hour days. She doesn't understand. In order to make money, unless it's a huge government crony contract, which that's out there right you have to offer value you spend the majority and and, and, and let me tell you this anybody that's actually found success in business knows you don't chase the money you chase offering value and the money follows you right Mm -hmm. and 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 she is a product of 30 years of basically government you bet that, that's all I have to say, but I, I, but I, I love the show. I, yeah, you. a couple comments on things you said. The, the one thing you talked about was uh, being able for your grandfather to enter the free market with his particular set of specialties. And, and, and it's Mike worth point. dropped the line. Oh, too bad. But, but one thing I would want to point out is, is there, there was no free market for people that did rocket work. The, you could work right. for a government contract. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but government maintained a monopoly and still does to this day on spaceflight. You can't just go do it. You got to get permission from NASA and the FAA and everybody else. Yep. And the, there's probably some other agency that we don't even know of. Or a hundred. I'm sure defense weighs in on, on all this too. But the other thing you talked about was that uh, cane sugar. And I tell you, that is one of the oldest uh most protectionist things we have in this country and and what do you mean there's there were protectionist programs set up that um basically they they've taxed 
the ability to import cane sugar to prop up the U.S. cane sugar producers. And as a result, cane sugar American-made is so ridiculously expensive that all the soft drink manufacturers went and said, well, we can just use corn syrup. That's so much cheaper. And Uh, corn is highly subsidized because of the ethanol and the high fructose corn syrup and a bunch of other things to where, yeah, it's just cheaper to wind up using this thing that's not sugar than it is to use sugar. It's one of the reasons that... This stuff is all correlated to other stuff because I swear I read an article a long, long time ago about an MIT researcher... That said, the corn syrup in soda was linked to autism. So they found like higher autistic rates in children from women that consume soda while pregnant. And they related it to the fact that pesticides were used on the crops that produced the corn syrup. So the like, common, the real common thread in all I, this, this stuff really is government. This was a really long time ago that I read this no, article, but, so I'd have to but dig there have been it up, a lot but it of, kind of makes sense. There I've l- heard people claim that aspartame is artificial poison. somehow uh, connected to different uh, cognitive uh, well when <laughs> i was when i was in school i had um uh, i took a med tech class and i got three science college credits for it in high school mm-hmm. and one of the things that we had read was an article saying that like the aspartame in diet soda or something like um made this woman's ms like onset it like she had muscular sclerosis and supposedly when she stopped drinking the diet soda, like it ended up like all her symptoms like started going away. Amazing. I drink gallons of diet soda every day. Maybe. So let's get back to the article from uh, Bloomberg about the Philly soda tax. Okay. Uh, You want to just step all over our fun, Daryl. We were having a nice conversation. Let's talk about how large some of these taxes are and how many people are actually being affected. Because, again, there have been some of the retailers saying that they've seen a 45% decline in the number of sodas that they're selling one uh, person, the chief operating officer of Canada Dry Delaware Valley, says that he's going to have to lay off 30 of the 165 employees that he has in the Philly area sometime next month. Depending on summer sales, the layoffs could continue. The sell declines are hurting grocery stores and bodegas in poor neighborhoods where shoppers are now tending to buy in bulk. Or rather, they have tended to buy in bulk, more so than in convenience stores. Uh, Brockway, that's the COO of the local uh, Canada Dry distributor, says a 12-pack of cans that sells retail at $2.99 is subject to $2.16 worth of tax. Jeez. A $1.89 single-serve 20-ounce bottle is subject to 30 cents of tax, again, because it's a per-ounce tax. City officials say that because the levy is assessed at the distributor level, it is not technically a sales tax. The reason that some prices (laughs) have doubled, quote, is because distributors have chosen to pass along the increase to their customers. My gosh, who would ever think of doing that? My cost of manufacturing is increased. What do I do? Let me <laughs> run these numbers by you again. $2.99 worth of soda in 12-pack of cans has $2.16 worth of tax. 
yet nobody's going to eat all of that out of their profit. Of course not. When their profit is probably only going to be, you know, a handful of cents. Anyway, at Brown Storage, Brown being uh, the owner of several convenience stores, he says uh, many of his stores were established in places previously designated as food deserts. Beverage sales are down 50%. Jeff Brown said he's had to cut 5,000 to 6,000 hours of employment per week, the equivalent of 280 jobs. Unreal. Beverages are the biggest category in a grocery store with 4,000 products. And since grocers already have small overheads, what do you think is going to happen? Yep, prices are going up across the board. I can guarantee it. That's it for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow and always online at freetalklive.com. You've probably heard the libertarian author Tom Mullen interviewed or talked about on Free Talk Live. Well, Tom wrote a song called You Were Right, Mr. Spock.
Mr. Spock by libertarian author and singer-songwriter Tom Mullen. To get it on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and more, go to skepticsongs.com. If you want to read Tom's articles and free excerpts of his books, go to tommullen.net.